Again, it's good to see everyone tonight. If you want to go ahead and open up your Bibles um, to Ecclesiastes chapter 7, if you had not already done so, we're going to focus in not real hard on the last few verses of this chapter. I think most of y'all remember how we ended last week. Flo got a little vocal and, you know, Flo. I said Flo got a little vocal last week. That's where we ended, right? No, I'm just kidding. I said flow. Yeah, we started talking about women last week. <laughs> so I think I think we kind of ended up them few verses, didn't we? Or do y'all want to go back? I know we didn't pick up on the last, I think the last verse. But yeah, we talked a little bit last week about Solomon in verse 26. How You know, he said, I discover more bitter than death, the woman whose heart is snares and nets. Uh, and whose hands are chains, and, you know, we talked about that a little bit, and, you know, bottom line, I think even Steve up here on the front, he said, just be careful, beware, you know, don't get caught up in the snares and temptations and the traps out there that, that, you know, people can get us in from time to time, whether it be a male or a female, you know, people have a way of sucking you in and and trapping you and and having an influence on you in a a negative way, right? In not a very positive way. And and to drive that point home last week, as we talked about, how many wives and concubines did Solomon have? You know, a thousand total. And what did they do? They drug him away from the Lord, right? They uh, got him to do things he would have never thought he would have done, I'm sure. But before he knew it, he had already been influenced to the point where all these images and idols and everything he was doing. And, you know, it was, you know, the influence of, of these women, you know, because we know their background and where they came from and what, you know, what they did. So our lesson for today is, you know, just beware, look out, don't, don't fall for these traps, you know, kind of the the bad company, uh, corrupts, good morals type thing. You know, be careful who you hang out with and who your friends are, you know. Same things you tell your kids if you got kids, right? It's no different different for us today as adults. It means the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. So she's saying it wasn't really the women that did it. In a sense, it was him allowing it to happen, right? And that could be with anything. Anything that causes you to sin, you're right, it's a choice. Whether it's a thousand women or what at one whatever, you know it could be the same results. Flo, yeah, and I, <clears throat> the way I kind of read this too, and kind of the bottom line end results, I think, you know, he's and correct me if I'm wrong, if anybody wants to add to this, um, you know, as we go through life, well, there's two things I guess that kind of how I look at this. Um, no matter how hard you look, how many people you run into, you're not going to find anybody that's 100% pure, right? That's without sin or have their own issues or problems or whatever. Um, but then I get to thinking, too, well, you know, if you really want to drill down as far as, you know, but a woman among all these I have not found, I mean, it kind of makes me think, too, well, where was he looking to, you know? I always think about, like, how would we look at that today? And I was thinking, well, depends on where you're looking, right? I mean, if you, it's hard to find bad people or good people 
if you're in bad places or not good places. I think Jeff made a comment last week that, you know, this is a decision. We were talking about the first couple of verses tonight. Be careful who you choose for your mate because that's who you're with for life. Wasn't that you, Jeff, that made that? I think you, so. How important it is to make that decision and that choice and how you do it, go about it the right way and make the right choices by the right pattern or the right way according to the Bible. You know what I mean? Because that is a commitment or an oath that we're going to talk about a little bit more tonight that you're making with that spouse or that person and God. So, I, what, Flo, what, kind of what I got out of that is, um, like I said, there's, there's no way, no matter where you look, nobody's going to be, you know, perfect or it's hard to find good, loyal people, depending on where you're looking at as well. Jim? No, and we talked about that last week, too. This isn't talking about women in general. You know, this is, like he said, and like I mentioned a minute ago, the company you're in and the women that he was talking about and the company that was around and who you're dealing with, kind of going back to where you are and who you're hanging out with and the group you're running with kind of contributes to what Jim, you know, is talking about there. But no, not all women. Um, I was going to mention that even tonight, I think, as we get through here. I think it was in... I mean, Solomon even mentioned as women, didn't we mention that last week as far as women, as, as far as wisdom and uh, how wise women, uh, maybe in Proverbs or something I'm, I'm thinking about, but that's what I was thinking in Proverbs. So you, you can't group women and say, you know, that in general. So like you said, you can't talk about his mama and, you know, he's... He'd get in trouble if he started doing that. I have a feeling if he got too mouthy with a thousand women around too, you know, that wasn't very smart either. So, I don't, did that help, Flo? That's right. That's right. But you say men, and then somebody thinks, well, you're talking about every man on earth, you know? But it's just a few. Well, that pretty much took care of down through the through the end of the end of the chapter, from what I can tell. So. We won't spend any more time on chapter 7. Does anybody else have any comments or questions or anything to add to it? Well, you know what? We didn't get completely through 29, did we? Okay. Verse 29. Truly this only I have found, that God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. What what does this mean to y'all? What do you think about when you read that? God made man upright, okay, but they have sought out many schemes. And immediately I think about Scott's class on Sunday morning, too, as an example, if that helps. And that's what I think, too. That's what I was thinking about Scott's class, about Adam and Eve. You know, as wise as God is and powerful as he is, we go all the way back to Genesis, what, chapter 3, I believe it was. And here you have man thinking they're smarter than God already in Genesis chapter 3. Well, I know he says that, but got persuaded or influenced by Satan. <laughs> and then he, they thought they knew better. And look what happened. So that was a good example. Jeff? Yeah, you're right. And that's true with us today. You know, we seem to... 
figure out how we can justify a lot of stuff, right? A lot of bad things, we feel like we can justify it in our mind anyhow, or somebody is can explain it to us or tell us in a way to where, oh, okay, well, it's not that bad. Where in, in fact, it is, you know? So, yeah, yeah, that's true, very true. And that's kind of goes in. I was going to ask a question. I wrote down and I said, well, who's responsible for all this failure, uh, failure to please God? Who's, act, who's actually responsible for it? What does Solomon say? We are. It's not God. You know, it's not God. It's we are. We're the ones that are, that are responsible for the failure uh, to please God. Because as you remember, going back to Scott's class, you know, we're made. Uh, God made us upright, just like it says here, you know, in a sense of being able to choose and to please or to not to please God, right? But it's, it's man, it's, you know, the many devices and the schemes and the inventions that we come up with uh, that, that just tears that down and stops that. All right. Well, now let's go to chapter 8, if that's okay. In this first little bit of, of chapter 8, um, Solomon here, he's going to kind of urge us or he's going to kind of let us know something as far as respect for authority, Okay. And if you've read any of this or you remember reading it or before tonight, uh, for Solomon to urge us to respect authority, that just seems to be a little ironic, right, statement. Why is that? Why is, why is it a little weird to hear that coming from Solomon, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And, too, let's don't forget, you know, for him to say, uh, respect authority, I think another thing that's kind of ironic about it too is he's the king telling us how to respect the king. <laughs> so here you have a man kind of writing to us about how we are to respect authority and the king or whatnot, and, you know, he's the king himself. So I thought that was kind of... But, but to both points, with that being said, of all people, some of the things that happen you know, you wouldn't think could be so. So in verse 1, he says, Who is like a wise man, and who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine, and the sternness of his face is changed. Okay, so he's asking a question here to start off with. He said, Who is like the wise man? Okay, who is like a wise man, and who knows the interpretation of a thing? It's kind of a rhetorical question, I think. Okay? I would say no one. Would you agree? Who is like a wise man? Or who can know the interpretation of a thing? You know, I, I would say it, it, you would have to say no one, you know, as far as that goes. No, you know, no one is like the wise person who's, you know, you can relate it today. No one's like the wise person that studies their Bible or knows God's will or, you know, knows the things that we're to do. You can, there's no comparison. No one really, you know, no one really is like the wise man. And then he said, a wise man's wisdom makes his face shine, and the sternness, sternness of his face is changed. What do you think that means? Why would your face change? Why would you have a glow about you or shine about you? Or why would you seem maybe happy or joyous? He's talking about wisdom. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a certain part of you that, 
you could take pride into that, the wisdom that you have, and people are going to see that. You know, why wouldn't you smile about that? Why wouldn't you be happy? You know, if we're Christians and we're walking around, you know, kicking rocks with our face down like we're the saddest people on earth, you know, that that's not right. But if we know the wisdom of God and we're reading and studying and we know the Bible, that's going to make you smile, right, and make you happy and joyous. Care? Yeah, you should smile about that. That should make us happy. You know, apart from the under the sun thinking of Solomon, today as Christians, you're right. I mean, we got it. We got the answer. We should be happy and smiling. Jeff and then I'll. Yeah. And if you'll stop and think about that as we go through life and get down and bummed and and stressed and poor me and remember that and think about that, man, you know, put a little smile on your face, you know, Beverly? Yeah. That's a good point because as Christians, if somebody comes up to you and they're just mumbling and down and beat up and, well, I'm a Christian, I mean, are you going to really listen to them or want to, well, I'm not sure what kind of Christian you are or where, you know, where you're at in your walk, but, you know, there's got to be more to it than that, right? So you're right. It's the way we present ourselves, the way we talk and look, and, you know, people can see that and tell, you know, that we're Christians. Good comments. Anything else? All right, so we're going to get on, keep on going the next few verses. So Solomon here, you know, he explains our responsibility. We're going to talk about our responsibility to the government, you know, and how this might take the smile off our face for a little bit, right? <laughs> Talking about our responsibility to the government. Most people, you hear that, and they don't want to smile anymore. But you know what? It's there, and we need to talk about it. And curious to see what, what you might have to say. Um, and talking about God, you know, he wants us to, you know, exercise our wisdom and behave appropriately, right, in the presence of our king, or I guess in today's time, you could say our government, you know. We, we have a part, we have a role that we have to do, you know, a part of the government as well. And it says in verse 2, I say, keep the king's commandment for the sake of your oath to God. So Solomon starts off here, it says, keep the command of the king. Um, but he don't stop there. It's not for the king's sake. Who's who's it for? For the sake of your oath to who? To God, okay? So he says, keep the king's commandment for the sake of your oath to God, okay? So when he had that little to God in there, um, just because of the oath, you know, before God, you know, we can read in several places in the Old Testament, um, that a lot of times a new king would come in or whatever, they would, the people would make an oath between the king and God, right? There's several, I think I jotted down one somewhere. I think, yeah, Second Kings chapter 11 mentions this, where there'll, there'll be an oath of obedience, so to speak, between God and the king, okay? And it was up to you to live out your part of that oath, right? Because you made an oath to the king and to God. Um, so, how, and you know, I try to kind of keep things for today. So how does that, how does that work today? Do we still make any kind of oaths to authority today? Right. Yep. I agree. And I think a big one too is, and you know, people have their own opinion about it these days, but what about 
I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, you know? So, I mean, that, I don't know, it's so discouraging now when you think about what all is going on with that and how the world is trying everything they can to take that away from everybody out of schools, out of the government, out of sports. I mean, you name it, if it's got God in it anymore, we're trying to get rid of it, right? You know, we're, we're, we're trying, to, trying to do away with it. Just And why are we, why are we doing that? Yep. Uh, well, and, and to do that too, we're just, okay, and I think we're trying to please everybody too. Instead of trying to please God and do what's right, we're trying to please everybody and their brother. You don't want to offend nobody. You know, you don't want to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. You know, you want to do what's right in the eyes of every man there is instead of God. And that's what happens. Now, we're going to talk more about that tonight as we get through, get into chapter 8. It's going to talk about more of that as far as oath, you know, that, to God and to, to the king or whatnot. But, and you know, we've talked about this <clears throat> before tonight, too, that the oaths that we make, like to our employer at work, there's an oath there, too, or a commitment there to them. You know, they hired us. In return, we're going to work for them and do what we're supposed to do, you know, for a wage, but they're expecting us to work, right? So many hours a week, so many hours a month or whatever, you're going to get paid. But if you're, you know, sidestepping and shortchanging or, or, or stealing or whatever from the company, you're, there's an oath there, too, that's being broke, right? Uh, oh, Sure. Yeah, there's some big pun, Grady. I'm sure you've seen your share over the years, people that sign the line in the military and they don't do what they're supposed to do. The government, they don't play around. I mean, they'll drop the hammer on you and cut you loose or, or put you in jail. Yeah, they'll put you in jail. I mean, they don't, you break an oath with them and see what happens. Kind of like the IRS. Okay, good points, good points. Thank you. Well, let me ask you this. So we're talking about all these oaths and, you know, the law says do this, the government says do that, the king says do that. Yeah, we're supposed to do it, right? But are there any exceptions? Okay, if it goes against God's will, there's a decision to be made, isn't there? You know, we're not held to... That's right, y'all here talking about abortion. That's a, that's a great example of what, you know, it may be legal to do in the United States or in certain parts or whatever, that don't mean that we as Christians are okay and can do it, right? We know what that means to us, but does that mean we can go around and throw fireballs through the windows and shoot a play? No, we don't, we, you know, you can't do that, but Beverly again and then Jeff. Sorry. Yep. Yeah, that's true. Like different laws for different states for divorce. Yep. Some of them are more strict. Some of them have, I don't know the terms for a waiting period or, in some of them, like six months to a year, you have to go through some kind of period before it can be legal, I guess, or get signed off by the judge. And I'm sure they're hoping during that time maybe you can work it out, you know. Maybe that'll, that'll help, Jeff. And the thing is, are we going to be a big enough person to stand up and say that or do what's right? Cheryl won't say it, and she probably ain't even thinking it, but I know at her work, it's probably been six months or so, they were going to do some type of surgery or some procedure or something that Cheryl did not agree with. And she told him. She's like, 
you know, I'm not going to be a part of this. I just won't come to work that day, you know, or I'll go to lunch or whatever, but do what you want, but I'm not going to participate and be a part of this procedure or surgery. So she didn't. So I think it all worked out somehow, but, you know, being able to, to know right from wrong, but then being able to stand up and be a man or woman about it, a Christian, and, and doing what's right, you know. And, of course, it's not always easy to obey, right? It's not, you know, we talked about that. It's not always easy to obey a king or the government, um, especially when they don't do what we expect them to do or what we want them to do. You know, that's when it gets even tougher. So this is Solomon. He's going, verse 3 says, it says, Do not be hasty to go from his presence, okay? Just because you don't agree with him or just because he's doing something you don't, agree with or he's not doing what you want him to do don't be hasty to go from his presence do not take your stand for an evil thing for he does whatever he pleases so it says do not be hasty to go from his presence do not take your stand for an evil thing any idea what that means or what what you what you would kind of think about that and it kind of goes back to what we talked about in chapter four you know yeah, if you don't agree with something or things aren't going your way, you know, don't be so quick to, to jump out and just leave or abandon him or, or, you know, just say, hey, this ain't working out the way I want it to. See you. You know, I'm out of here. You know, and we talked about this a little bit in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, if you remember, where it talks about a new king comes in. What happens when a new king comes in? What did Solomon say? On rules, and then what do people do? People are quick, a lot of times too, to forget about the old king, the old leader, and jump on the new guy, and this is my new man, this is the new king, blah, 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 and they just kick the old one to the side. They're so quick to do that. And he's saying here kind of the same thing, really, you know, don't, don't do that. Use your wisdom. Be wise. Remember what I've already told you a few chapters before. You know, don't be so hasty to go from, go from his presence. But then he says, do not take your stand for an evil thing, okay? So if you don't agree with him, don't try to come up with ways to, to get back at him or punch at him or don't get people together or build your own little army or a little chat group and uh, try to do bad things to him or whatever. You know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Whatever you want to call it, the, the scheme, different things to try to knock him down from his power or to make his job hard or whatever. You know, it's saying don't, don't take a stand for evil thing because he said for what he does, he does whatever he pleases him, okay? He's the king. He has that right. You know, he, he's the king. And it's, I think we're going, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but, you know, you, you being the king, that pretty much writes your check there, you know? Can't, can't argue with it, you can't fight it. He's the king, you're not, you know. So, again, you don't have to agree with everything, and there's a right and wrong way to handle each situation, but there is a point that we have to stand by the king, stand by the government, and do what's right, and support it, okay, and support it. Um, and that's tough sometimes, as I said. All right, let's go on down to verse 4 here. And I hate when I just go off and forget, you know, I got a couple notes I want to go over and then whatever. But what I was going to say before I move on to the next one, does this ever happen in the church? Does this ever ch happen in the church? 
do we sometimes, you know, because I'm always trying to think, okay, I'm reading this, but then I'm trying to think, well, okay, how can, how can this be us today, I guess, so to speak. So I'm thinking, well, in the church, if things aren't going the way that you think they ought to be going, or, you know, this happens to all of us over time, I'm sure, or you don't agree with something, or something rubs you the wrong way, you know, it's easy to react to that, right? And, and I'm trying, and I tell myself this more and more here in the last several years, I guess. The thing to do, though, that I, I tell myself, and I've been telling you guys, if you come to me, we got to just stick in there and fight. You know, we're in this together. We're a family. We're, you know, we've got to, to support and love one another, but we got to stick it out and fight it out, too. You know, that's what we do. You know, we, de- we depend on each other, and we, you know, we want each other to encourage one another. Y'all don't know what it does for me, and I've heard Jim say it. You know, when you say, hey, I'm praying for you, or I'm thinking about you, or we'll get through this, or whatever, that's a bond you can't get outside of the church. That feeling and that support, knowing somebody else is praying for you on your behalf, you know? So, yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, I think over the years we've, we've seen that or ran into it or, or, or had to, you know, been in them choose ourselves, you know? So, but... And that's a good point. I mean, it's, and it's no different than the, our government or the kings back in the day or the government we have to live under today, even as Christians. Man, there's a lot of stuff we don't agree with the government does. And we won't even get into that. Don't even comment on that, please. But there's a lot of stuff that we don't, might not agree with the government. But guess what? We've still got to live here, and we're still citizens in the United States, and we've got to live under that government. We've got to get along the best we can, you know, and, and as Christians, I know that changes things a little bit because we know we really got to stand firm to, from outside the world, I guess you could say, outside of the church, right, you know, into the world. Man, there's a lot of stuff that goes on out there that, that it's just crazy that we don't agree with. But So we just got to know there's a fine line as Christians that we got to obey the government and do the best we can, you know. So good comment, though. Anything else? And we're going to stop. Thank y'all.